it doesn't work like that. This is business. All right, okay. It's just like when I'm in the bank. Did I come out of the bank? Did I go to the airport? Did he get his dick chopped off? Huh? All right. Okay, and the title's either going to be the last real man with an asterisk, yeah. or it's going to be the dog days of August. I favor the dog days of August because we get the free publicity when yeah. it's out in New York. Yeah. Okay, so if, if, if you want to change that, then I want more money. Also, if you want me to help with promotion, to go to like a festival with you, yeah. I want more money. Yeah. You see how many thousands of people have come just to see me? To meet the real guys? <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Sick and Wrong. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Simon. And uh, just when you thought you were out, I pull you back in. I'm Kate Rambo. Kate Rambo likes to pull things. Um, Kate Rambo, <laughs> hey. how uh, how was your second jab? Did you just get your second jab? I did. I had it yesterday. And can I just say that I beasted it? Zero symptoms. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You were telling me that you couldn't record last night because of the explosive diarrhea. No, that's what happened to you. You're just project- <laughs> you're projecting your diarrhea onto me. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad it went well. I'm glad the explosive diarrhea didn't didn't happen two days in a row because then we wouldn't be able to record today. But uh, but it's good. No, You're I'm fully not. vaxxed now. So that means uh, you know they opened up uh, the the U.S. is open to the the fully vaxxed. Yeah, freaking first plans 2021. I'm coming to the U.S. of A. You got to get a laminated Vax card, just like me. Well, I, no, I think you're one of the few nerds who has <laughs> laminated it. And uh, I actually, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, I should just to be like D, I should get my card laminated. I don't know any place near where I live where you can go and get shit laminated. Get a laminated Vax card. It's cool. Like, you know, if, you know, I can pull it out. Just be like, I'm Vax, bitch. And that's your phone. I'm just going to do a JoJo, and I'm just going to take a picture of it on my nah, phone. You know, you scan it on your phone. Because, like, here, a lot of bars here require proof of vaccination. So I just, like, I scanned it into my phone. You know, iPhones, you can fucking scan with an iPhone. I, I just learned this the other day. Ours doesn't have a little Bluetooth scannery thing. It's just a card, a very nice card with a, a clicky down stamp on it. I thought there were, someone was saying that there's like, uh, I'm sure the NHS has something like this. There's like websites you can get registered and you get a QR code and you just flash oh, that. Oh yeah, that actually, yeah, no, you are right. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to register on a site or something. God, who fucking knows? Well, it's all online nowadays, mate, isn't it? Oh, we should go back to the olden days. <laughs> Well, you're lucky though. You didn't, you know, it wasn't a rough ride for you. I the fucking second vaccine put me on my ass, and then you, now it's like they're saying we got to get a third one. It, to be fair, I had prepared myself for being sick. I had cleared my extremely busy schedule of my busy life that I lead. I was like, hold up. I said to my secretary, I was like, keep, keep that night free. I want no calls, no emails, no nothing. Did you throw down a tarp for the diarrhea? I threw down a tarp, <laughs> my trusty diarrhea tarp. I like dusted it off, got it out of the uh, the old cupboard. Put but, some Wellingtons on your kitty, just in case. <laughs> the, the, 
the lady was really nice the uh, the pharmacist when i went in she said um she sh showed no symptoms hopefully you'll be like me and because i've actually gone over the 12 week waiting period by a couple of weeks she said usually if you wait a little bit longer you're less likely to show symptoms with your second pfizer shot yeah, that's my arm isn't thing. even doesn't even hurt anymore it hurt for like half a day well that's another thing fine. in the u.s like you've waited three weeks in between jabs like three or four weeks now three weeks i think it's not even a full month in between jabs whereas you guys actually i think all of europe did a whole 12 weeks like three months because then it's supposed to be even more effective so it, i think well, it is yeah well, i think the reason being is you guys are willing to comply with that you're not saying like the vaccine's a hoax and you know they're putting in microchips you're like oh, i'm actually going to do this because i want to like you know prevent myself from contracting this ter this terrible virus whereas the u.s i think if you had to wait 12 weeks they would they would never do it they would never do it in, th in 12 in 12 weeks and they'll do well, it in three I'm, weeks because it's still fresh in their mind i would like to pool a selection of americans and ask them to count up to 12. <laughs> just just to see because i bet that's why they were like one two three can do it up that's to 12. it's way the, trickier us south kate all right <laughs> do you want me to start bringing up uh you know dentistry jokes oh the, the old classics really are the best <laughs> There they are. Anyway, it's a good thing you got the get the jab. Uh, I don't want my uh, co-host coming down with the COVID. And the explosive you know? diarrhea. And the explosive no. diarrhea while we're recording. You know, I don't want that. Um, this week, a listener actually sent me an email that mattered, <laughs> that was actually relevant, <laughs> that I cared about. <laughs> joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I do read people's emails. But a listener sent in something. He's like, hey, check this out, D. It's fucked up. Uh, well, thank you, Will, for sending this in. It actually is kind of fucked up. Uh, I was a little surprised. But it inspired me to uh, to uh, discuss the intro, what we're going to get into in a little bit, um, about the uh, the film Dog Day Afternoon. It inspired me to watch the film Dog Day Afternoon, um, which I'll get into in a minute. But this uh, this article here is about these brazen... Brazilian bank robberies that have been happening uh, in recent weeks. Um, kind of in uh, Sao Paulo and actually in a small Brazilian city called Aracatuba. I don't know how to speak Portuguese, but it's Aracatuba is, it looks like it is, is what, how it's pronounced. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. yeah. So these It'll bank do. robbers, and it's not just like two or three guys. I'm talking like 15 to 20 dudes. It's like a all, gang. Yeah, nine dudes, 15 to 20 men and women all work together cool. to rob three banks in this uh, southern Brazilian city. Then like the SLA. they strapped hostages to the top of their getaway vehicles to pretty much foil police attempts from, uh, from resisting and uh, trying to uh, arrest them or run their cars off the road as they escaped out of the city. Uh, police said three people were killed. Among them was one of the, uh, the the robbers themselves. But yet more than 20 people took part in the heist. They blocked off roads with burning vehicles, and they planted explosive devices throughout the whole city that were on like it. heat sensors and motion sensors. This is, I mean, this well, is so like complex and premeditated and planned. Why couldn't Eric and Dylan have done this instead? Then it would be way cooler. Instead, Eric and Dylan had to have a failed bombing. Boo hoo hoo. This is what I wanted. They for probably them. couldn't count to 12. You know, that's probably part of the reason. 
Probably. The failure of the American education system. Um, <laughs> these large-scale bank robberies have become more frequent in uh, recent years, and they, uh, the, the robbers typically use humans as, uh, as shields, and they should be strapping them in their car basically for human shields. Um, so initially they thought there were 50 assailants here, but the actual number is around 15 to 20. Um, only one person uh, died from one of the explosive devices. A 25-year-old cyclist was actually seriously injured uh, because one of the bombs went off as he was driving by. He had to have both of his feet amputated, not going to be cycling in the Oh, future. what a shit. Do you know what? One less cyclist on the road and in the world, it's not, it's not anything to cry over. It's fine. <laughs> he kind of deserved it for being a cyclist in the first place. Yeah. It's going to ruin the spandex. Uh, Lieutenant Guedes here from the, uh, the, the Brazilian uh, police force said there were 14 bombs across the city. And uh, they feel that they, were, they had some type of sensor that went off, either by heat or motion. Um, schools are actually closed until they find all the bombs. And they're encouraging people to remain indoors. These people held the city hostage. Not only That's did they amazing. put human shields on their vehicles, they held the whole city like hostage. It's almost something like something the Joker would do in Gotham, you know, to pull off yeah. a heist of this uh, magnitude. It's um, brilliant. So, so the, how it went down, a gang of heavily armed men attacked three banks in the uh, city center of Arasatuba. Um, after the robbery, they took these hostages um, and surrounded the local military police station. They then blocked roads, key access, like roads in the city by setting all these cars on fire. So just to confuse, so basically they, they set off these bombs to distract the police force, then like set off these cars on fire to block the police from even chasing after them. And then they tied a, they, several uh, getaway cars, they tied people to the roof and another to the, uh, the hood of the vehicle. And then they also had another guy like kind of standing up with his arms out and through the sunroof. I got a picture actually here. It's kind of blurry. Uh, but the first picture I have shows one of the hostages tied to the hood of the car here. There, there it is. So uh, you can see the hostage tied to the, the, the roof of the car. Then there's one on the hood of the car. And then here's another car with one on the hood. So I mean, This is giving me um, Tom Hardy Mad Max vibes. This is all very like road movie. Type. Like well, this will be it. a film I mean, in Hollywood soon. When there must have been a high speed chase. Well, remember that movie? Was it Heat? When they oh did, my God, it was like, he, he yeah, is that awesome. was about like a, an LA, a massive like LA uh, bank heist. But I don't recall them taking hostages and tying them to the roof of the vehicles. And as you can see, like uh, one of the cars, they had machine guns that they're shooting out at, at the cops from the back. So you can see like the trunk of this uh, SUV is open. Too this cool. is like straight out of like uh, Batman. This is going to be in like probably John Wick 10 or 11. It'll be a feature. Uh, the mayor, Dilador Borges, said that uh, police were confused and they struggled to intervene because they didn't want to confront them because there's too many lives on the line here. And so um, they also, the gang not to mention, also had drones cruising around oh through the streets to find out where the cops were. And then they would avoid them. This is brilliant. I, they've definitely thought of everything they can do. I like it. Oh, this is so like Ocean's 15, the way it should be, the Brazilian what I, version. What I want to know is if they wear masks. Like, did they have, like, you know, dead present masks or maybe My Little Pony masks? That's what I would do. 
I do think you've got to stick with the traditions. The dead president masks are the best, but I, I'm just all for the uh, just the tight over the face, uh, just oh, smushing your uh, face. Pantyhose mask. Just the pantyhose mask. I think mean, it's a classic look. Stick. You got to stick with with the classics. I, I love say Simpsons crawlers. characters. Simpsons characters. Which Why one would not? you be? Krusty the Clown, of course. I'm Jewish. Oh, just because he's Jew. Yeah. I I would be anyone but Lisa. You couldn't be Apu because he's canceled. Uh, um, the raid here, these type of uh, heists are part of a growing trend. Apparently, they're very well thought out, well planned robberies. And they're a, phenom a phenomenon now happening in Brazil. They call it the new Congosa. Congosa. Um, yeah, Congosa, which refers to a term used to describe the banditry that plagued parts of Brazil in the 1920s and 1930s. Brazil's been plagued by banditry for decades. So this all kind of plays into uh history here um but yeah i mean these there's been these bombings all throughout brazil and all these uh these type of bank heists, well planned out well thought out by these different gangs um they also you always read about like these the prison breakouts that the gangs do too like these elaborate prison breakouts involving like bombs and helicopters and all that but when i read this um i had actually recently watched the film Dog Day Afternoon, starring Al Pacino and John Cazale. And I was like, this is probably one of the worst bank heists <laughs> that has ever happened, probably in the history of bank heists. I would say the bank heist depicted in the film Dog Day Afternoon is probably the biggest failure of a bank heist I think I've ever seen or come across. It's up there. It's up, definitely least, up there. At least he, uh, the guy's lovely. But <laughs> so ill-planned and so inept. Um, yeah, the, the film, if, if you haven't seen it, is, it's great. Actually, I highly recommend it. People should definitely watch it after, we, after you hear the backstory. But it's the story of John Wojtowicz. Um, that's a difficult-to-pronounce Polish name. Wojtowicz. Yeah, who robbed a Brooklyn bank to pay for his lover's gender reassignment surgery. It's a it's a modern crime in the 1970s. But it's kind of in a way sort of romantic, isn't it? What a Is romantic it, gesture. He did it all for he did it all for love. He did. So um this 1972 bank heist happened in Brooklyn and it's one of the most infamous bank robberies in modern history and it did inspire the classic film uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Um but the story itself is stranger than fiction. And then they go into it in the movie. Um, but yeah, here it is. It's a 1972. Sonny Wartzik, that's the, the fictional character, robbed the bank, 250 comps, the FBI, eight hostages, 2,000 onlookers. I mean, this was like a media spectacle. He was, uh, and he, he became a ringleader. I mean, he loved it. He was living it up. This was his 15 minutes here. And Al Pacino played the character perfectly, I gotta say. <laughs> Sonny, just like Al Pacino, is what the Polish would call a dobra człowiek. What does that it mean? Means, it means a good man. He's a good man. He was good. So John Wojtowicz was born in New York City in 1945. And he was basically leading a normal life here in, uh, in, the, in the 60s. I've got the next pic. You can see a picture of him. Um, there he is after he's getting arrested. So prior to this, he actually led a relatively normal life. He um, graduated high school, went to Vietnam. Um, he returned home and he was actually working for Chase Manhattan Bank. 
And that's where he met his future wife and co-worker, Carmen Bafulco. Um, the pair married in 1967. The next picture, you can see a, an announcement in the, uh, in the paper here. There they are, the happy couple, John and Carmen, on their wedding day. Something tells me that he's not happy, though, because I think he discovered Sergeant Sausage while he was in Vietnam. You're quite right there. Very astute observation. <laughs> he had been keeping a secret all along from his new bride. Let's go to the next pick. Um, while in the military, um, actually, you know what? That isn't the, the right pick there. That's fine. We'll wait on this one. But this one's coming okay. up. Um, <laughs> while in the military, uh, John had his first gay encounter um, during basic training. Uh, in a documentary that came out, he said it was a hillbilly by the name of Wilbur. And so in basic training, he had a gay encounter. Then he went off to Vietnam. And when he returned With home, Willie. he was not only keeping sexuality a secret, he was also dealing with, you know, the whole, like, uh, PTSD from being at war. Apparently, uh, he was one of the only survivors of a rocket attack. And Can I say that him. we've all had PTSD where it's like a post-traumatic, like, um, dick syndrome, where you think about that dick from that guy that you didn't want to sleep with, and it just flashes across your mind, and you get the shudder, and you just think, oh, fuck, why did I do that? Are you uh, referring I imagine- to that time you had sex with a ginger? I am referring to that, and I just also thought of someone else who I shouldn't have had sex with, but I did. <laughs> wait, wait, was that the guy named Wallace? <laughs> no, I'm not shagged him, Wallace. <laughs> but I did shag a, a guy called Bruce, and I wish I'd never done that. But, you know, you live, you learn. You, you, it's what you've got to do. Well, sometimes every girl has to experience a micropenis at least once. Um, <laughs> so we, there's a documentary, a great documentary called The Dog. that came out in 2013. The Dog. Where they interview his mom, and his mom is, like, really outspoken about her yeah. son, John. Um, his mother, Terry, said, when he was a kid, he was good. He was no trouble. The service screwed him all up. So well, was... I think, well, Wilbur screwed him in the service. Well, Literally, I think it was that. Mom. I, I definitely think he had some issues when he came back from Vietnam, like, uh, like a lot of uh, veterans. So yeah. he was discharged honorably from the service in 1967. He married Carmen, but he just couldn't live this lie for that long. He separated from his wife two years later in 1969. He joined the Gay Activist Alliance. Um, the Gay Activist Alliance, now you can show that picture there that we just showed. Um, the GAA here was part of the Gay Liberation Front. And uh, it was founded in New York City, December 21st, 1969, about six months after the Stonewall riots. And okay. uh, it had a lot of dissident members of the, the GLF, the Gay Liberation Front here. And then I think the next picture is actually of the uh, the GAA. There they are, marching, the Gay Activists Alliance there. But John seemingly joined the Gay Activist Alliance, I think more for sex rather than politics. I'm sure that there was a lot of that going on anyways. He says... I'm sure it wasn't too difficult to get laid, but didn't they, could they also just go to the YMCA? I remember the village people sang a, an ode to the YMCA <laughs> back then. How does that song go? I've never heard it before. <laughs> I forget the tune. Um, <laughs> he says, John, uh, John says, I was a member of the entertainment committee, so I would meet and greet new gay people coming into the scene. I could have sex with them quicker than anybody else because they were just coming out. So as soon as like young gay guys would show up, he's just like totally take him in the back and stupping him. Well, he's the entertainment then, isn't he? 
I am the entertainment committee. <laughs> uh, Randy Wicker here, um, who uh, was a journalist who helped uh, John negotiate the film rights to his story. He said he was considered a disgrace at the GAA. He would fall on a couch and start having sex with somebody in a semi-public place. His reputation within the GA was, this guy is a looney tune. He was a horny looney tune, though. It sounds like it. Unstoppable. Why didn't they just leave the... Right. If he's having sex on a sofa in front of everyone, don't you just leave the room? I know. I'm sure Why are you stood there watch. watching stroking your dick? It's like cruising, also starring Al Pacino. This is another good movie. Another fine film. Uh, in is. 1971, Wojtovich met Liz Eden, a transgender woman, and became instantly infatuated. At the time, Liz was a, was a biological male, Ernest Aaron. Uh, Wojtovich called her Ernie. The two married later that year in a lavish ceremony. Eden wore a dress, and the bridesmaids were all in drag. And th this is like 1971. I mean, this is pretty uh, early, you know. At the time, a public ritual was quite rare for any gay couple, so the special wedding was an auspicious event. It was like a pretty big deal in the gay community. Here's a picture of, uh, yeah. of John and Liz at the wedding. A I couple love pictures, pictures of them, actually. Wedding. Yeah. So she, she's tall, too. Apparently, the priest didn't know that she's a man. But come on. <laughs> I mean, well, come I mean, on. look at the next picture, though. Look at those knockers. How would you know? Hey, as a woman, can I just say it's very easy to fake knockers? Yeah, but those look. Um, yeah, I, don't know. I think she looks kind of feminine there. Look at look at. She John. does there, but compared to the wedding picture. Come yeah, on. the wedding picture. She kind of looks like the chicken lady from Kids in the Hall. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Doesn't she? She she doesn't suit honey blonde hair, but she certainly suits dark. She's a brunette. Okay, yeah. we all have our blonde moments, but it's just a shame that it's in the wedding pictures, which you have to like are immortalized forever. John anyway, was obsessed with her. He was obsessed he was. with her. Um, even after the marriage, at the first year, Eden, um, I wouldn't say wasn't was unsatisfied, but she was depressed and seemed suicidal. She longed for gender reassignment surgery. Even though she dressed in drag, she wasn't fulfilled by this. She wanted to become a full woman. And so uh, she asked John, you know, like, I want to do this. And he was against it at first. He was completely opposed. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, he's not attracted to women. He's attracted to men. And so he was upset by it. But after, uh, and not to mention they couldn't afford it either. Um, but uh, she she um, tried to she attempted suicide because she was so upset by this. And it was so, a few times she attempted suicide. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. So after the suicide attempt, or the second suicide attempt, uh, he decided that uh, she needed surgery in order to uh, end her depression, and so he decided to finance the operation himself by robbing a bank. It's a great idea. Where else can it's you get not fast cash? Exactly. It's obviously not the best plan, but I admire his unwavering support and love at this point. Now, the the reasoning, I guess, the rationale for robbing the bank is proposed in the film and is uh, kind of publicly um, um, 
publicly provided as the reason for this was uh, to get this gender to to pay for the gender reassignment surgery for uh, Liz. However, people say that uh, Wojtovich was also in debt to the mafia loan sharks, which oh. included money that he borrowed to pay for the wedding to Eden. Oh, did they have a big old? See, I never get this. Why have a big old wedding if you can't afford it? The amount of money that people spend on weddings. Just like save that Why money. Why would you save the money and get the gender reassignment surgery? Or like, you know, save that money and just like go on holiday. The, don't spend all your money on a wedding. Yeah, you don't have to spend like fucking freeloaders drinking your booze. Fuck them. I bought, I bought them all fucking dinner. They're buying you a toaster oven. It's like you could take your toaster oven and shove it up your ass. <laughs> You should never get gun. married with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> what ended up happening, happening here, what's, what's lost in the story of this bank robbery is that the mafia played a larger role than a lot of people think. Uh, so right. Wojtovich was a close associate of Mike Umbers, who was the owner of several gay bars, cowboy rings, and smut operations for the Gambino and Genovese crime families. <gasps> Carlo Gambino, my favorite, my favorite mafia leader. At the time of Wojtovich's arrest, uh, he had a handwritten list of several gay bars, bathhouses, and restaurants with telephone numbers and names and individuals associated who ran these illegal enterprises. The list was like a pocket guide, you know, to the, the gay scene in 1972 and identified a lot, a lot of establishments that were all illegal that belonged to uh, or police suspected were ran by the Genovese and Gambino crime families. So, I mean, he had this list that it was quite valuable, at least to them. Surprised he didn't whack them. Um, Wait, the whacking bar. The mafia thing was, was left out of the film entirely, although I can't really fault them for that. I mean, it's, it's hard to put in all these different, you know, every tangent in a movie. Yeah. But, I don't know if they ended up cutting it out, but it wasn't really uh, mentioned in the film. They just kind of It's go... a B story, isn't it? It's a B story that you can drop that will just be distracting. So Wojtovich had fallen out of favor with the GAA in the summer of 1971, primarily because of his association with Mike Umbers. However, I'm sure because he was also shagging every new person trying to sign up, I'm sure that might have been a problem. And like right yeah. on the couch in front of everybody. It's like they're like, yo, put your dick back in your pants for five minutes. At least let them fill out the uh, membership form. Oh, I bet that room stunk. <laughs> <laughs> so after the bank robbery occurred, Arthur Bell, who worked for the Village Voice at the time, looked into claims that Wojtovich's uh, f- um, friends had said that Umber's and soldiers of the Gambino family had set Wojtovich and his accomplice Sal Naturale up for the job at the Chase Manhattan Branch Bank. Like he was given provided firearms. He was uh, pretty much ordered to do so. So it wasn't just like, I'm doing this to finance a gender reassignment surgery. It was like he was under duress. He, he had no choice. Well, this is what Arthur Bell is claiming. Um, okay. Bell's investigations brought bomb threats to the village voice at the time. An acquaintance of John um, told the FBI that an underworld figure supplied all of the guns that Wojtovich and his accomplices used at the Chase Manhattan bank robbery. Um, and he, he said, too, that uh, Wojtovich owed several crime families a lot of money. And that his friends uh, came up with the idea for the bank robbery um, because uh, because one of the uh, the owners, probably Mike Umbers, 
who owned one of the uh, the, the gay bars in the Greenwich, in Greenwich Village, was like basically forced him to do it. So this is completely unverified, but I don't. You don't really know. Uh, yeah, I think it makes sense. Def- to me, this makes more sense than just. Although I love the romantic, out, like Bonnie and Clyde kind of like John Dillinger side of bank robbing. Being pressured by the mafia happens. The mafia, if they want their money, they're will very make you influential. Do stuff. However, oh, I've don't got you tons think of books. if these mafiosa guys were like, you know, we want to pull off this bank robbery, don't you think you probably would get like, I don't know, some more intelligent bank robbers than these idiots? No, because you don't really care if they go to jail or not. Well, don't you want the money? You want the money, but at the same time, you also don't really care. You're going to get your money eventually. Kind of, but I mean, here you are taking like three fools, having them, uh, giving them weapons to go rob a bank. They're going to get caught. This is going to be tied to you. It's like you'd think you would get somebody who's a little more professional. Well, the mafia in the 70s, nothing is getting tied to you. They controlled everything back then. It was only really in the late 80s and slash 90s that they they started to slip, but that was because they turned more to drug dealing. But yeah, that's you true. Also would I mean, I've be... seen good fellas. Yeah, you would be thinking they actually might do a good job, but I know they don't do a job a good job. I don't know. This, not... this guy had to have had a reputation <laughs> in the in the area. I'm just amazed that they're like, you know what? I'm gonna get this dumbass and his and his two friends to go rob a bank for me. But you know, regardless, they had no choice. So, I mean, also he says. I mean, what what I would have done is gonna hire some fucking Brazilians because they know what they're doing. Hey, um, Wajitovich. Put together a dream team that would help him rob the bank. He recruited Bobby Westenberg, young Bobby Westenberg, and Salvatore Sal Naturale, who he had previously met at a gay bar, uh, to help him with the heist. But the trio was far from professional. That's an understatement. Um, they, they simply drove around New York on August 22nd, 1972, just looking for a bank to rob. Like, they, I mean, brilliant criminal minds. They, they didn't scope out a place. They didn't they look at security, see how many armed guards there are, see if there's cameras. They're just like, let's go find a bank to rob. Why not? Well, firstly, D, cast, cast your mind back to these days. There's no cameras in these banks. Do you think they any... probably had any, CCTV back then, the 70s? In the 70s. I highly doubt it. I'm not sure. They might have had something, some kind of, like... I'm sure they, they had armed had... guards. They definitely will have had armed yeah. guards and, you know, the button that the, the teller can press and it, it sends the secret call to the police. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, that's this it. Other thing, alarms and stuff like that. You, that's why you scope out a place, you know? You use drones to find out where the cops are. You take yes. hostages and attach them to your vehicle. The, the plentiful drones of the <laughs> 1970s. So the night before the robbery... Uh, Wajitovich and his accomplices, 18-year-old Sal and 20-year-old Bobby Westenberg, they all stayed together in a New Jersey hotel. And Wajitovich had agreed to pay Westenberg $50,000, 50K for his assistance here. And for the money, Wajitovich wanted a little bit more than just a partner in crime. He says, I grabbed a hold of Bobby Westenberg and I wanted to fuck him. Because he dressed up as a girl. This is what he says in the documentary. He goes, I don't want you fucking me. And I said, I'm giving you $50,000. And you're going to tell me I'm not going to get a fuck out of it? So then I fucked him. (laughs) 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 And uh, 
yeah, Westenberg didn't prove out to be, I, I guess, the most fearless bank robber here on the scene. Because he's called Westerberg, all I can think about is a Paul, <laughs> Paul Westerberg. Yeah. That's who I'm picturing. <laughs> Getting fucked in the ass for 50k. <laughs> well, he definitely wasn't the most uh, fearless member of the gang here. As as they as when they entered the first bank that they went into, they accidentally dropped. He dropped a shotgun and it went off, and so they just <laughs> ran out of the bank. So that was the first bank that they 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 found. They're like all ready to go rob it. And Westenberg <laughs> dropped the rifle. It went off and they ran out. So they lost that one gun. Um, then they went into another bank. And uh, Westenberg ran into a friend of his mother's, so they called the whole thing off. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why would you go to another neighborhood? You know? Yeah, would you not just go out of your city? I would definitely do that. I would go to like Newark or somewhere. Yeah, just go, Where get, can you drive to? Just go to another borough. Like, well, why, so why rob a bank in your own neighborhood? So after uh, they decided to take a break, go check out the movie <laughs> The Godfather, which had just come out. Amazing. And, uh, they went to go see the film The Godfather, and then they were like, you know what? Let's get the Chase Bank in Brooklyn. So they, they all three of them, they went into the Chase Bank, and uh, John slipped the teller a note with a uh, paraphrased quote from the film. This is an offer you can't refuse. Nice. Yeah, it said on the back, for a limited time only, get 50% off your first item at adamneath.com when you use the coupon code Diddle. <laughs> Hey! Um, unsurprisingly, <laughs> after the note was slipped to the teller, it all went downhill. Um, Westerberg freaked out because he saw a uh, a police car drive by, and he just dropped his gun and just ran. What is he? Why can't he keep his hands on his on his light weapon? Come on, I'm very good at keeping just, my hands on weapons. I guess he was just like I, you know, I I don't want to deal with this, and he he got cold feet and he took off. Uh, but Sal stuck around. Sal was kind of like, he was in and out of criminal institutions since he was a, a boy. So he was kind of a more of a hardened criminal. Sal is a tough guy's name, isn't it? If you meet someone called Sal, you know that they're going to be of that type of disposition. It's just one of those names. Yeah, he was played by, uh, remember Fredo Corleone? That's John Cazale. Yeah. So he was, that's yeah. who uh, portrayed him in the movie. Did a great job too. Um, turns out that uh, once, uh, you know, he slipped the teller a note. And they got the bank manager. They would, they would go to the vault, and they found out the vault was half empty. So they could see just on a cash drop or something. And so uh, Wajitovich then managed to still get about $38,000 in cash and $175,000 in traveler's checks. Um, can you, right, before we go any further, I've never understood traveler's checks. So can you just give me like a layman's term? Yeah, I can tell How you do they thing. work? It's the currency of the dork. I know this because my father only <laughs> believed in traveler's checks. It's, I never understood. I remember the first time I went to Europe, my father was just like, you have to get traveler's checks. We'll go to American Express. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. He's like, So is it a check? It, basically, you take, you take money and you get these checks. And you, you take real money. You deposit the, at American Express or whatever. And you get these traveler's checks. If I lose a thing of traveler's checks, you can't do anything with them. You can't cash them; they're worthless to you. But right. I can go and and you know, occasionally you'll find like the one restaurant out of a hundred that might take a, an Amex traveler's check. No one did. No one never did. You can go to a bank, but the banks, you know, you have to go within bank hours to get the check cash there. It's it's the most inane, ridiculous way to travel with those things. And I know my father was so 
concerned about getting pickpocketed and robbed or whatever. That's why he like I see. would carry like his his check check of travelers checks. But when I was old enough to travel myself, I was just like, "Fuck you! I'm not doing this." I think it's crazy because we don't even use checks anymore. Um, no one uses checks. Checks are not a, a thing here. <laughs> but I do prefer the, the British then, spelling though. of checks. Uh, just as I digress, the British spelling of checks is much nicer than the. American I think the one. other the other thing too is uh, you didn't have to go to like a currency exchange. You could just have your traveler's checks, and they would just cash it in the currency of the country you're in. I'm sure back in the olden days it was like that, but I think from the 80s onwards, it's... Yeah, ATM. Yeah. Yeah. No. Really I'm exactly. Ever since I was old in. enough to to travel, what I what I typically do is I'll go, if I think about it, I'll try to go to my bank beforehand and get like five hundred bucks or something in the in the currency of the country I'm going to, just so I have it. But usually, what ends up happening is I just do it when I get to the airport. Um, yeah. But you yeah, you just use an ATM. Like who cares? I don't. My my Nowadays. father, even up until like when we went on that cruise, he still got <laughs> traveler's checks. You need what? Do you need money on a cruise when you're on a boat? Well, yeah, Do you pay for you, stuff? Well, no, when you stop off at the different. Oh, know, and you go to the different town. Yeah, we must have place. traveler checks. Oh, he was just like, let me cash a traveler's check. And we have to go to restaurant to restaurant to restaurant because no one fucking takes it. Wait, can I just say, why is your dad using traveler's checks and not his shekels? Well, his shekels were safely hidden behind traveler's checks (laughs) it it was the most annoying thing ever anyway so he gets one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in traveler's checks before one of the employees of the bank here was able to sound the alarm and get the police to arrive on the scene there we go well now all hell broke loose you get the cops there it becomes a media spectacle you get journalists you get about a crowd of two thousand onlookers surrounding this bank i mean it's kind of like a you know it's a it's a small like suburb of Brooklyn here. This is happening. This was, is huge yeah. news. Well, I mean, what was on the telly back then? Absolutely nothing. And it's a hot summer's day. You're going to go out. You're going to break open the fire hydrant. You're going to watch yourself a show. It'll be and, great. and if you hear something like this happening, you're going to be like, I'm going to go check this out. Yeah. So the robbers um, then took all eight people in the bank as hostages. And they hold up for what's going to be a 14-hour standoff with authorities. Uh, there was live footage. Uh, there were photos of uh, Eden and Wajitovich's wedding. There was media coverage of the whole time of the entire situation going on live at the Chase Manhattan Bank. I mean, it was like a full-on media frenzy here. Uh, circus. At one point, um, and this is great in the movie too, uh, John you know, emerged from the bank because the, the, the police, the FBI, ended up getting Liz Eden. And they brought her to try to get him to calm down and give himself up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they took her from a mental hospital. She was in a mental hospital during this period because she just tried oh. to commit suicide. Yeah, I like him um, the news footage as well because when they're kissing, the whole crowd's going. <laughs> <laughs> but she showed up like in the uh, movie. You see her showing up from like the psychiatric hospital, and she's wearing like a robe, like a pink robe. But that's how she actually showed up it at, the, at the and bank it- when it all went down. Yeah, like the middle of the night as yeah, well. Yeah, like disheveled in a hospital robe. God, wouldn't you be so annoyed? I would just be like, I'm not going. I mean, <laughs> I look like shit. What, are you going to put me on telly? I'm in my robe. I'm not doing this. So the bank was surrounded by FBI agents, police, journalists. There are snipers all around the rooftops. And this is all uh, you know depicted in the film, too. About 2,000 rowdy spectators 
who were yeah like hooting hollering yelling you know uh, homophobic Slur slurs yeah um even his own mother was there in the crowd <laughs> yeah, because mother was there calling him the the f word <laughs> They all gathered in like a, you know the hot Brooklyn summer to go watch this uh, media circus. A journalist said that was a Brooklyn crowd that night. He's like it was a full blown show. Everybody came for the show. I would have been there as well, definitely <laughs> knocking knocking back some tall boys with the crew. And just pouring fuel to the fire. Here's John Wojtovich, who was just eagerly embracing his role as the uh, ringleader here of the circus. He had pizza ordered for the hostages. He paid the delivery guy with wads of cash that he took from the bank. He kept going over to the cheering crowd and just chucking money, like wads of money into the crowd. Yeah, that's what yeah. he won. And he was also decrying like the police state. He was making it really political. And so people were cheering. Also, people were also, you know, calling him, uh, you know, uh, racial or homophobic slurs as well. But this guy was living it up. This is his 15 minutes in the spotlight. He was enjoying it. Um, and even the hostages ended up kind of I'm Stockholm syndrome where like they kind of developed a certain fondness for Wojtovich because he seemed like he was, you know, they weren't scared of him. He wasn't a menacing guy. They, he got him pizza. Uh, one of the tellers here, Shirley Ball <laughs> said, I realized that he was friendly. He had a purpose for robbing the bank. You know, I thought he'd just be in and out, not 14 hours stuck in a bank. Um, but it wasn't definitely an in-and-out job, and uh, tensions definitely started to rise as the hours dragged on. Not to mention, they didn't have any like resolution planned. I was gonna say the tension is also building because there's zero air conditioning, and this was one oh, of yeah, the hottest hot, summers hot in New day. York history, and it's it an August day. Very yeah, humid. but like he didn't have like an exit strategy. Like his whole thing was, let's just get a plane. And fly to Cuba, or let's go fly. I think he wanted to fly to Africa at one point. Like, there's no exit strategy here. And so the tense standoff here finally ended when the FBI agreed to drive Wojtovich and Sal Natural to uh, JFK, the Kennedy International Airport, and put them on an international flight. To where? No one knows. He's just going to put him on an international flight. So here's a newscast that happened in uh, 1972 that's talking about that. Later, the two bank robbers demanded a plane at Kennedy Airport and a car to get them there. Finally, around 3.30 this morning, an airport limousine pulled up at the bank with an FBI agent at the wheel. Only then did the second gunman come out of the bank. A rifle slung over his shoulder, 26-year-old Salvatore Naturelli, then joined Wojtowicz and their hostages in the limousine and headed for Kennedy Airport. Along the way, they had plenty of company, perhaps 40 cars. It's a great scene in the movie when they're driving to the airport because all these other cars are coming alongside them and, like, yelling at them, screaming. Some people are like, you go, go, you know, and, like, uh, you know, rooting for them. But then other people are, like, you know, swearing at them and, like, throwing cans at them. So it's a hilarious scene in the film. But it's, like, literally like a, a cavalcade of cars. Cars followed carrying police and relatives of the hostages. The caravan would pass through an airport gate leading to a secluded runway. The bank robbers had hoped to make their escape in a small jet plane. They failed. The aircraft was rolling up, and as we were making plans to depart from the limousine, uh, we had a driver in the uh, in the uh, limousine, an agent, and uh, Mr. Baker, Mr. Fell, charged the men and uh, uh, diverted the shotgun and the machine gun, and in the meantime, the agent had a chance to shoot him, and when one was shot, the other immediately gave up. So uh, one of uh, Sal ended up dying. He ended up getting yeah, shot. Yeah, because, he, well, he was a gang-banging thug, wasn't he? 
Wow. To put it like, uh, to quote Falco. So I think that's why they targeted him as opposed to shooting Sonny. Well, the FBI never had any intention of letting them get on a plane. The whole thing was a ruse. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the agent who was driving the car turned around and uh, shot and killed Naturali with a concealed pistol. It's a great scene in the movie as it like concealed in the door. And then after that, uh, Wachatovich just surrendered. But uh, pretty pretty epic scene in the film. Here's a couple pictures of, uh, yeah, um, there he is. There's John realizing that crime does not pay, getting arrested. When he said, I didn't I want to get involved. How should I know what it takes to pay off a criminal for a story? That's what his attorney said. <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting arrested. The next picture here is, um, is uh, the mug shot of uh, young John after he uh, got arrested. At least he was famous for, I don't know, 20 minutes. Well, I mean, he's been made eternal now because of a film. He's immortalized in film, man. Yeah. But I kind of had a boyfriend who looks a bit like him. Ringo, when I went out with Ringo. Kind of has the ring of him. Was Ringo also into uh, transsexuals? He probably is now because I ruined him. (laughs) (laughs) So according to uh, Wajitavich here, he was uh, offered a deal for pleading guilty, which the court did not honor. And on April 23rd, 1973, he was sentenced to 20 years in Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary in uh, Pennsylvania. 20 years isn't that bad, really. Well, he only served five. And that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was released, on prison, released from prison on April 10th, 1978. But they was arrested again and served two more sentences in prison for parole violations, 1984 oh, and 1986 and 87. Um, he was finally released in uh, April 1987, and uh, he said over the years, uh, you know, Eden, his uh, his wife, uh, visited him in New York about once a month, so she'd come every month to come visit him. Um, apparently, when he was arrested, he was contemplating suicide, and. Uh, he was expecting an, an imminent death. He wrote a whole last will and testament that would give uh, proceeds from his life insurance policy to Liz Eden so she can get the gender reassignment surgery. So, you know, the money, oh, wow. the, the, the bank robbery didn't work out. But if he committed suicide, then she could get the, uh, the life insurance. He uh, wrote her a note and said, I love you with a passion as no other has loved another man in all eternity. My love will live on forever. We shall be together once more in the in the hereafter. I'll always be by your side in spirit, and we'll watch over you till you join me in the hereafter. I leave you twenty seven hundred dollars from my ten thousand dollar life insurance policy. Who gets the rest? I was just saying, what about the rest? <laughs> How much is a gender reassignment surgery? I imagine it must cost more than twenty seven hundred dollars. I think, it, yeah, I think it definitely costs a lot more than that. Then the money is only to be used for your sex change operation. Uh, that your life from that point on shall be full of happiness and joy. I hope you visit my grave on my birthday um, on March 9th and on our anniversary, December 4th. May God bless you and watch over you, as I will, till we, re- till we are reunited in the hereafter. You know, March 9th, he's a Pisces. That completely explains this nature. Pisces are obsessive romantics, and I bet Eden doesn't like that. <laughs> I bet Eden is sick of that shit. <laughs> Because I would do be his at that tarot point. card reading next? Uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> Were he here, Sonny in spirit? Knock twice. Um, what's his, uh, what's his, uh, what's it, what's it called? The moon in, uh, 
the moon in Cancer or something? Well, I the can only The retrograded moon. Saturn's no, in retrograde. I can only read his whole astrological chart if I know his time of birth and where he was born. Then I could do his whole chart. But I must also say, because he is a March Pisces, they are way worse than February Pisces. They Did are you just, learn this from the fish. gypsies? I learned this from Alistair Crowley, actually, D. (laughs) Alistair Crowley, the king of astrology. So John did not commit suicide while he was in prison. But the Dog Day Afternoon filmmakers who who bought the rights to the film um, said that they they arranged arranged for John to receive $7,500 plus 1% of the film's net profits. Uh, Later, Wojtovich ended up suing Warner Brothers. There he is. Yeah, he, he looks really yeah. slick. Look at look at he's got the dollar bills. Not even like twenties. He's got like dollar <laughs> they bills. Are, they are dollar High bills. High roller, gangster. <laughs> uh, he ended up suing Warner Brothers and got an additional hundred thousand dollars from it. Uh, the money okay. was used finally for Lizidin's sex change operation, which was the mission Amazing. that started everything. But regardless of the uh, you know the eventual operation, the personal triumph. Living up to his promises, uh, the couple ended up splitting acrimoniously. Apparently, uh, she had left him for someone else. Doesn't and, surprise uh, me. Yeah, before dying of uh, AIDS-related pneumonia in 1987 at the young age of, of uh, 41. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, she told him, though, that she never wanted to see him again. And uh, <laughs> he was suicidal after hearing that. But John found love in prison. You know, there's still... Uh, it could still end well for him. He found love in prison. He married a fellow con named George Heath. They both got out in 1978, and they moved in with uh, Wajatomich's mother um, in Brooklyn. Oh, well, I mean, come on. Moving in with, <laughs> moving in with your mom. We've right, been we'll, your husband. Wait, go, go back up to the high roller picture. We're, on, we're not quite at this one yet. Um, I yeah, there he is. So when he, was, when he got out here, high roller ended up moving in with his mom. Um, and he actually had the nerve to apply for a guard position at the Chase Manhattan Bank that he robbed. <laughs> I like it. I like his, uh, what's the, uh, the Yiddish word? No, is it like, um, is it? Chutzpah. 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 I like it. But uh, he ended up not getting hired. Instead, he found a job cleaning <laughs> toilet bowls on uh, Park Avenue. Um, he also tried during this period to cash in on his dog day fame by publicizing his criminal identity. He would spend time hanging out in front of the Chase Manhattan Bank trying to sign, like, sell autographs. And he would wear a T-shirt that said, I robbed this bank. Oh, that's a bit <laughs> sad, but at the same time, I do like it. Why not? Well, he never ended up uh, achieving any enduring celebrity. I mean, he had his 15 minutes, but everyone pretty much forgot about him other than this film. He ended up dying of cancer in 2006 at the age of 60. At the time, he was on welfare and still living with his mother in Brooklyn. His mom is still alive. Is she, like, older than time? She must be. She was in the, she was in the uh, documentary that they did. This is good Polish genes. We live forever. Now, John did, was able to see Dog Day Afternoon, and he was very vocal in his criticisms of the film. So, uh, screenwriter... Uh, Frank Pearson, who wrote the uh, Oscar-winning screenplay on The Boys in the Bank, he read a Life magazine article, and that's what he based the whole movie on, is this one article in Life magazine. Um, Al Pacino, who had already starred in The Godfather at this point, uh, played Sonny Wartzik, who was the uh, anti-hero inspired by uh, Wojtovich. And then Sal, if you go to the next picture, was played by John Cazale, who is uh, Fredo. 
Corleone in The Godfather. Yeah, he's both great actors. Fantastic. Yeah, great you know, casting. You know what? Uh, they both uh, did plays on uh, off Broadway in New York City. That's how they met. Before like Al Pacino blew up, and even before uh, he ever got you know The Godfather, and it was Al Pacino who brought um, John Cazale in uh, to be in The Godfather. Oh, great! So that bros, they they go way back. They go way back. Uh, so while in prison, John ended up seeing Dog Day Afternoon and uh, and watched Al Pacino portray him on uh, on screen. Um, originally, the warden objected to uh, the prisoner viewing the film. Until Wajitovich threatened to start the biggest prison riot he's ever damn seen. <laughs> yeah, right. This guy's full of threats here. I'm sure I'd like to. You know, uh, if uh, yeah. we see the type of bank robbery he pulls off, I'd like to see the prison riot he can now. I'd have been like, you're not chopper, mate. Go back to your cell. Be quiet. Be grateful we'll let you even watch a picture. He was permitted to view the movie in the company of just one guard. And he described it as a very moving experience, but he ended up sending a letter to the New York Times protesting that the film did not show the whole truth, and the little it did show was twisted and distorted. The biggest problem, his biggest criticism with the film, um, was that he made some kind of deal to betray his partner, Sal, which was not true. And there's no human being low enough in this world who let the FBI kill his partner in order for him to survive. So they they kind of imply that he made some type of deal like that, but that he says it was ne- never never happened, even though in the movie it's somewhat uh, insinuated. Um, he also had issues with the casting of his wife, um, stating that the film made Carmen look horrible and inferred that he left her and uh, he wound up in the arms of a gay man because of her. Like their okay. their um their uh uns- you know uh, unsatisfying marriage pushed him into uh, living a, a gay life, which he said is completely untrue, and he felt sorry for the actress for having to play such a horrible, misleading role. Um, but you know, regardless of what Wachitovich thought of the film, it was a major, uh, critic and audience success. Um. Made a you know received six Academy Award nominations that year and ended up winning for uh, best screenplay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was about to ask because I knew it had won an Oscar. I wasn't sure which one. You know, I hadn't seen it in so long, and then after I uh, uh, read that Brazilian bank robbery story, I was like flipping through uh, some movies and I came across. And I was like, you know, what? I forgot about this film, and so I watched it. And people, I definitely recommend go check out Dog Day Afternoon. It's a good summertime movie. You know, summer's a, wrapping yeah. up. It's a, it's a good time to watch it, and we also check out the, about that. yeah, check out the documentary, yeah, the dog. You know, I, I didn't actually see it, but I watched it on uh, YouTube. That's where I got a lot of these uh, uh, these uh, clips and quotes. Um, but they take archival footage that they splice together with news interviews and lots of interviews with his mom, and interviews with John, like from 2002 all the way up to his death in 2006. That just shows that this guy lived in some kind of like dream world. Like, I mean, he, he was he was whacked. He's a whacked out dude. If you want the dead book spin as well, he recently covered it. So if you've got 20 minutes spare, dead book knocked out the park with that one. <laughs> as, as he always does. Fully recommended. Um, anyway, people, this is uh, episode uh, 810 here of Sick and Wrong. Got some, uh, some phone calls come up in a second. Got some. Um, actually, I was going to mention something about the quality of our calls that we've been oh. receiving. I'm playing like an example of the quality <laughs> of the phone calls that we've been receiving lately. 
Uh, we did get we did get some good ones too, though. Anyway, before we get to our phone calls, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey guys, it's Stephen again. Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032. So I posted recently a picture of John Steele on the Facebook page. Uh, saying oh my. you call in and and uh, because I was kind of disappointed with the recent phone calls we've been getting. They've been like week AF, I got to say. There's been some good ones, don't get me wrong. I know Christopher Siege, who's uh, listening right now, he called in with a really good one we're going to play um, in the next couple weeks. But uh, most of them have been kind of like of this caliber. So, tell this lady bar. Pretty lady. And I said, hey, baby, can I smell your food tang? She said, no. And I said, oh, well, then it must be your feet. Fuck you, lick my balls. I do appreciate the uh, salutation at the end. However, okay. like, come on. Let me just say this. Firstly, John Steele is a fantastic looking man. Let me just oh, say that. Oh, yeah, no, it was a great older picture of John Steele with a mullet. Yeah, back in his uh, Essexville Justice days. Um, John Steele, if he's listening right now, hello, John Steele. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, <laughs> probably watching wrestling. Oh, no, he doesn't watch wrestling anymore. We just had a big discussion about that. Yeah, ago. no, it's a great, it's a great uh, 80s, 1980s mullet picture of uh, Steele. Um, but that's besides the point. What is the point is that the calls have been weak AF. That. You know, come on, give us a call. I'm going to hear something. Especially next month, we're doing uh, like a series of spooktober, spooky, Halloween-themed stories. So we want to hear stories of you, um, you know, having like uh, one of those anal ghosts. A lot of people get those around this time of year. Have you had one of them? And and I've never actually had, but Wackily used to get them every now and then. Of course, Wackily Yeah. He would like fart in the bed with his wife and just blame it on the anal ghosts because that's what they do. <laughs> they get inside your anus and they make you fart. They give you gas. <laughs> the bad gas from the ghosts. But no, we want to hear about this. We want to hear about your paranormal experiences. I don't mind the jokes, the one-off jokes every now and then. That, that was a decent one, actually. But, uh, but yeah, give us a call. Tell us about your paranormal experiences this Spooky. month. We want to hear it. Or you could also call in and tell us about when you got a prostitute, like this guy. Oh. All right, D, all right, Kate, Mash here. First time caller, long time listener, all that shit. So I thought I'd ring in with a story about the first time I went to go meet a brass. Wait, not meet a brass, but the first time I went to go shag a brass. I do love that term, by the way. But you might have to define it. Brass? Yeah. Brass is a brass is actually Cockney rhyming slang, but this guy's. Um, Northumberland, so I don't know. He, he just must have spent time down there. I've not heard brass, but it's a yeah, a hooker, a bit. It's a hooker, yeah, a prosy, a prosy, yeah. 
But I always love that term, brass. You don't hear that over in the States. But uh... Well, it's Cockney rhyming slang. Uh, we were discussing this in work the other day, actually. My favorite um, Cockney rhyming slang is a, a Barclays. Having a, a Barclays. Barclays. Like the bank? Barclays, Barclays Bank. What's that rhyme with? Wank. Oh, wank. Having a Barclays. Yeah. So where did brass come from? Ass? I don't know what that'll be from. Huh. Do you know what? Sometimes they come from phrases as well. And oh, a, a northern English phrase is you can say, I'm totally brassic. I'm brassic. What does that mate. mean? You're getting I'm, prostitutes? I'm, no, I'm skin. Oh, that doesn't make um, any sense. Brassic, it's probably just a fucking, it's probably like a Shakespearean word, but nowadays it means nothing. Can we? skewed the meaning this is this is britain may where every word has 20 different meanings well this guy ended up getting brass for the first time um you're the only people i can really think of who would appreciate this story uh, i appreciate it anyway so anyway i've only got three minutes so i better get into it so i have been to say a brass before but just for now you know 20 quid blowjob 10 quid blowjob minging minging lasses you know but i thought i've got a new system i really want to shag one so i booked one spent all day at work 12 hours on a shift trying to book a brass through the different websites you know finally found one 160 quid well so he's not getting like street brass he's like going through like adult friend finder or something or craigslist well we don't have Oh, you Craigslist. guys don't have Craigslist, yeah. But yeah, you you can find the hookers online. Why not? I you... like the fact he's like, I spent all day. I can't do a Geordie accent. I'm really sorry. But he's like, I spent all day looking for one. That's can you not get... Geordie Can you get street brass on like the streets of Glasgow or? Yeah, this guy. London? This guy sounds to me. He's not full on Geordie. This guy might be like South Shields or somewhere like that. The um, shithole. Yeah, South Shields is where Cheryl Cole is from, but also one of the best fish and chip sh chips that I've ever eaten was in South Shields, but I digress. Mm. He's probably just from some shitty town where it's easier to book a chick in a hotel, go meet her, shag her, and then come home. That's what I'm thinking, oh, well. that's what I'm picturing. I thought, you know what, it's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I'm, I'm going to book it. So I booked her in, she says, all right, give us, give us half an hour before you'd leave, you know, so we can get ready, dolled up and all that shit. So, went back home, had a shower, washed me bits, and it was through Newcastle, so it was going to take us about half an hour to get there. Yeah, so thought, he's in South Shields! Before I leave. So I dropped her a message saying, right, half an hour away, I'll be down there. She sent us the address, and it was a block of flats just over the bridge. So... Wait, is he going to, like, a council flat? I think so. He could be from Sunderland too. Oh, all the places this guy could be from. <laughs> Are they all shitholes? Fuck yeah. Northumbria is like 99.9% .9 shitholes. Even half of Newcastle is a fucking shithole. Alright, right, fair enough. It takes about half an hour to get there. So, when we're there, you know, getting excited, getting a little bit of a chubby on. Thinking, oh, no, I'm finally going to do it. <laughs> but, um,. Anyway, I got the flats, no parking outside. Parked on the very side of the flats. I was like, fuck's sake. He's putting a lot of forethought into this. This is something he This is like a bucket list item for this guy. 
Yeah, this is like how um, FM has built up going to a burlesque show. show yeah. <laughs> this, is this is like guy. Uh, this guy is like planning this out. This is like Christmas come early for him. Going to Shaka Bint for the first time. I'm hoping it works out. Uh, like you know, you know, measures up to his expectations, but we'll find out. So I walk all the way around these flats. Couldn't find the front door. Could have fuck. So I had, felt like a right pillock at a ringer. See, where's the front door? And uh, she sent us a photo after she said it was what? in a little black door around the side, but it wasn't. It was a fucking gate. So I went to the gate, put the code in, she sent us, okay. and she says, as soon as you get through the gate to the car park... Wait, is he going with his mate? It's not just him? Why do you think he's going with his mate? What word said, made you think that? He sent us, uh, sent us a code. He just said that, us. Oh, he just means me. He sent us a code. He sent me. He just means me. Oh, I thought you meant the plural, like he and his mate. No, he's, he's just like a jolly thing. He just means me. Because that would be weird. Don't you think that'd be yeah. weird, going with your Is mate it... to go bang a prosy? Well, unless you're doing like unless a gummo special. going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he just means himself. It's first door you come to. Anyway, I go through the gate. There's two doors either side. A meter away from the gate either side. I want to fuck see it. Which one is it? Luckily, I picked the right one and put the code in. And uh, got into the apartment block. So I see a set of stairs. She says, first floor, flat, whatever number she was, right? So I thought, right, fair enough. Up the stairs, first floor, didn't have any numbers on the flats. You know, she'd th you'd think she'd make it a little easier to find. Yeah, this is a. I would have given up by now. I hate when you have to go and do all this stuff. Talk about I a boner killer. Like, I'd yeah, have been, been like, fuck, like this. fuck this. Yeah, I would have yeah. gone. I couldn't be asked. <laughs> go up and down the stairs. Nothing. I was like, fuck's sake. So someone came in the door. Anyway, I'm getting three minutes. I'll uh, I'll come back with the second message. Cheers. Yeah, I wonder if all the other chavs like knew exactly why he was there. This is not a canny experience for him. <laughs> over there. Canny. Uh, very frustrating to be uh, wandering around the council home labyrinth trying to find the prostitute's <laughs> apartment. In Jesmond, Newcastle, Flat. which is, I imagine where this is taking place. I, I just picture all these like young chavs just being like, oh, we know you're going. Like <laughs> why, why, right, why would they have that accent? I can't do the accent either. <laughs> why would they be cockney? This isn't like Lord of the Rings with the orcs, do you? <laughs> why are they there? Just do You're your hiring Indian a chimney accent. sweep? <laughs> Let's That's go fly, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure they knew exactly why he was there. Everyone will know that, yeah. like, oh, yeah, she's like door number 10. Who is? Yeah, you should have just asked one of them, like, for directions. Here's part two. All right. Kate and D, part two yeah. of Mash yeah. meeting the brass. Where was I again? Oh, yeah. Um, I was, I seen someone come through the apartment's front door and walk straight past me in the fire exit. So, what's through that fire exit? So I went through the fire exit. There we go. Flat numbers all the way down this corridor. Oh, fuck's sake. Anyway, she was, say, like, flat 21. He saw us in fact. Oh, fuck's sake. So there's flat one. So I walk <laughs> all the way to the other side of the fucking apartment building. Up the stairs, 
got to our door, knocked on the door. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember the movie Spinal Tap when they're trying to find the stage? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> they're all like ready to rock and it's like, wait, <laughs> now they're in like the, the basement. Like, I'm gonna have to watch Spinal Tap. I haven't seen it in ages. This is like, this yeah. guy's trying to find the stage here. Yeah, it's a brilliant part. Fucking stunning. Answer Ooh. the door on this lazy little number, see through. Fucking amazing. I just got a little, little bit of a chubby on, thinking, fuck hell, can I really do this? But anyway, stuck us in the bedroom, sat us down on the, sat us down on the bed. She went, us. right, first of all, have you got the money? So I went and go reach in my pocket. Nay, fucking money. So I went, oh, fuck, jumped up like a pillock I was. Sorry, I'm up there. That was a loudspeaker. I had to pause it. you take credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a traveler's check. Will that work? Hey! <laughs> jumped up like a pillock I was. I haven't got the money. Oh, no. Ran out the door. Ran out the front door. She must have thought, what a fucking idiot. So I ran all the way across the fucking uh, apartment block, down the stairs, out the out the front door, out the gate, all the way around the outside in my car, got my wallet, ran all the way back through the <laughs> gate, put the code in, put the code back into the fucking door, up the stairs, along the corridor, and by this time she'd locked the door, thinking I'd just fucked off. I was dripping a sweat by this time, because it was a hot night as well. So I walked in, she was like, you want a glass of water and all that? I was like, oh God, I'm sorry. Anyway, so I went, there's, there's 160 quid, but I went and gave her 180, thinking I was, I felt like a pillock. Anyway, next thing I know, she's, uh, she starts piping us off. Wasn't getting hard. Wait, she starts oh, what? Oh shit. Pipe, I've never heard that either. That's some Geordie slang i pipers never heard. off? Piping, piping him off. Oh, piping yeah. him off. I think that's what you said, piping. I've never heard that term before. That's, that's a, a good cool term. One. Can you go yeah. up to like a northern like Geordie bird and be like, hey, fancy a piping off? Piper. You could probably go up to a Geordie I'd bird fancy and, a say, off right now. and say, yeah, pipe me off and I'll buy you a chicken palm and they will they will do it <laughs> in a heartbeat. Pipe me off for a pint and for a, a chicken parm. Yeah, a chicken farmer. They'll All do right. it. Starts playing with us. Wasn't getting hard. Starts sitting on my face, calling us a little bitch, thinking that must be his kink. Calling us a little bitch, slapping us, tickling us, all this. I was like, nah, I am not getting hard off this. Like, I don't know whether it was nerves or what, or whether. Wow, that sucks. I don't know what Stage it was, right. but I was nervous as fuck. Was not getting hard. Running. And she pointed that out. So it was no chance. Next thing I know, she goes, right, I've got an idea. She goes to her, um, a cupboard. Pulls out this seven inch massive get thick strap on. Went, are you ready? I went, go on then, fucking heels up in the air. I was like, yes, come on. So anyway, the next thing I know, she's bumming us with this fucking massive <laughs> git seven inch strap on with a git soft cock. <laughs> I blurt all over the place. Best fucking <laughs> orgasm I've ever had. Orgasm with a soft cock. Anyway, thanks. There's me three minutes again. Thanks, bye. Wow, this took a turn that I did not expect. It did. I've also never heard the term blurt. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Because it makes sense, doesn't it? Because you blurt it out. I like it. I, d I have um, never... I, did you anticipate that this going in that direction? I did not anticipate that he would get pegged. Do you remember Harrison always used to be like, 
and when he would talk about it, he'd be like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, yeah. the, he was like, once you've had a prostate orgasm, yeah, he you used can to, never like, go back. <laughs> he used to tell me, he's just like, my sexuality is much more complex. He's like, you don't understand the power of a prostate <laughs> orgasm. And I'm like, all right, I'm cool with that, dude. It's fine. <laughs> I want to not understand that yeah, power. Yeah, I'm, I'm just fine with just having a wank to Pornhub and going about my day. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm... More power to you. But I, I did not see this going in that direction. Do you think he was into that type of activity prior to this experience? Or do you think this is when he discovered that he was into pegging? I think maybe he discovered it then. And I quite like that. You know, he's going to go and see a prostitute and the prostitute has her bag of tricks to make men come. I mean, that's their job to make people come. And she's just like, fuck it. Yeah, let's try it. And he was ready, willing, and able. I appreciate I like her empathy and her patience. You know, Jodies are up for everything. Yeah, but you know, she's like, she's, she's piping him off. She's sitting on his face. <laughs> nothing's working. And then she's like, oh, I got an idea. And then she like goes over in the cupboard and pulls out a big seven-inch willy. And, uh, it's, it's the Jodie spirit. On. I love it. Yeah, yeah no, I'm great. I'm uh, quite impressed. Like I, I did not anticipate the twist. At the I want end him of to that. bring back in or to at least write to one of us because uh, Gateshead or South Shields is what I'm thinking. Half an hour might be a bit too far for Sunderland, but he might be around Sunderland area. I'm just very intrigued as to where he's from. So do you keep a strap on for these type of situations? Like in case of emergency, break glass and you pull out the strap on? Um, or would you be like, get the fuck out? I, I've had a few boyfriends who like ask stuff to them, but to be honest, it doesn't turn me on in any way, and it's it kind of makes me just like not fancy them as much. I, oh, like, when, that might... Wait, once you've pegged them, you're just not into it. I've never full on pegged anyone. Uh, I've never like done that. I don't. I don't think I could probably keep it up for very long. I don't have the stamina. I do have the hips for it. <laughs> but you don't I've think you can keep up the peg? It's a, it's a dildo. You don't have to keep. It's it hard up. to fuck. It's hard to like met. You're telling me. Of, that's why the men have the to work. take. Yeah, they got to take breaks. <laughs> hey, power bottom. Putting fifty percent of the work. That's what you want. You want a power bottom, but. It's just, it's not for me. It doesn't turn me on. And like men don't, like if I had a chick and she was like, oh yeah, like put your fingers in my ass. That's hornier because women look after themselves. Women <laughs> Men's hairy, like. Men's hairy fucking You're dodging ass. the dingleberries as you put your finger in. Basically, yeah, that's why I don't like it. Well, just use your chick, tongue. Chicks is different in it. Chicks are clean, innocent angels from heaven. Have you ever strapped one men. on with a chick? No, but I've used dildos on chicks, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I guess sort of. I, I'm just kind of, I, I admire this brass's patience and understanding and willing to like, She's you know, roll with it. Yeah, roll with the punches here to make a, like a pleasant too. experience all the way around. That was a great story. Didn't, yeah, I did not it. anticipate it ending that way. Thank you. That's the type of call. That I, that I appreciate is that. So give us a call like that, people. 323-522-4032. Almost forgot the number over there. Uh, finally here, we do appreciate when you guys show us a little love. We want you to show your favorite podcast some love on the Patreon. It's the best way to show some love. Um, you know, we're actually pretty close to hitting our original goal. Never been this close before. 
Let's do it. Let's hit this goal, people. Only about three hundred, three hundred uh, dollars away. So it's actually uh, pretty close. So that's uh, it's very inspiring. Uh, but we're producing a whole extra show's worth of content every week on Patreon. So if one show isn't enough, you can get double the sick and wrong goodness every week. So just go to uh, patreon.com slash sickandwrong for only $5. You get an extra story, you get extra phone calls, you get outtakes, you get access to the Sick and Wrong Discord, which has been popping off recently. Um, and for a few bucks more, you get our Sick and Wrong News segment. Uh, this, uh, this week we talk about a rare complication that made a man ejaculate through his anus. Yeah. <laughs> For two years. Not just not just like twice, you know, or a couple weeks here. I'm talking two I, years. He was I jizzing that. through his anus. Yeah, I posted that news story in the, because um, it was uh, Tristan and Evil Bunny who sent it to me. But I posted that in the Secret Sick and Wrong group. And there's been a lot of discussion about everything involved with this story. <laughs> I'm, I'm most intrigued by the smell. The what smell? do you think it's? The smell of the shit and the smell of the jizz. Does it? Would does you, that reverse? Would you still taste it? Because I know you like jizz and you're a cum scientist. But this is a I special a kind scientist. of jizz. It's like a jizz well, frosty sh- from Wendy's. It's shitty. Shitty jizz, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe. So, but, shiz. But then he, it's shiz. It's shiz. But then his shit is also jizz. So which one do you eat? Which one do? Which Try one do both. you have? Why not? <laughs> So we talk about that, and we also uh, talk about uh, Eminem launching a brand-new Mom's Spaghetti Restaurant. He's starting his own spaghetti franchise. We are going to this. We're going to do a food review from here. Finally here, we also do the uh, bonus Sick and Wrong mini-sode, Overkill, where Kate covered Robert Calvi this week, the CFO of the Vatican. Maybe not the CFO, but he definitely handled their finances. And he died in a very mysterious fashion. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Uh, older, older English, well, older British members of the who listen to this will remember it. It was big news in the eighties. Big news. It's like the Godfather, but uh, in Britain. Basically. But seriously, people, we work really hard to produce this show every week, and uh, we do love when uh, you sign up for Patreon, help us out. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, there's a big sale going on, a big fucking sale at the T Public Store. For real. It's like up to thirty-eight percent off shit right now. So go to uh page slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope, and uh, you can go check out the uh, T Public Store. Finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. So one of my favorite scenes in Dog Day Afternoon is the is the montage in the beginning. When they're driving yeah. through uh, Manhattan, like 70s Manhattan, and they're playing the Elton John song, Amarina. Which I don't even know what that means. I don't know if that's a name or what. Um, but it's a cool scene. It's a, it's a whole montage scene of the sounds of New York City with the Elton John song, Amarina. So we're going to end the show here with Amarina from Elton John's third album, Tumbleweed Connection. People, thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be back with episode 811, which is kicking off our Spooktober fest. It's going to be extra spooky. Each episode yeah. is going to be most, more spookier than the last one. <laughs> Do you yes, promise? I promise. <laughs> anyway, till then, keep it sleazy.
Just my lady, El Marina, and I can't feel Riding in the daybreak, living like a lusty Like a lust of love Running to 
Yeah. <laughs>